Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. And I'm coming to you guys today very disappointed in another app. And that app is called Twitter. Had a fantastic live out of, of about, what, 20, 21 minutes talking about the topic that I'm going to be talking about today. And I'm going to try to rekindle that flame, rekindle that energy of that live via podcast, talking about the good news of some predictive analytic results that I got back from my 2021 game plan, which I really haven't went over via podcast yet, um, some of the player moves, but I'm just going to keep it very brief and give you guys a rundown on basically what happened during the live and kind of encapsulate what happened um, in those 20, 21 minutes. So for those that's been following me, you guys know that ever since 2018, I've done a Titans offseason game plan or model or dissertation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've sent, you know, that report to a good friend at MTSU who basically runs my roster, compares it to the rest of the 31 other teams, and he does over a thousand simulations. Some some years he do it doesn't more because he has more time. Um, and he basically gives me, you know, how valuable or how talented my roster that I formed for that all season is. So um, 2018, the result was divisional round. Uh, 2019, which I was actually able to send to the Tennessee Titans before they started making free agency moves. The first time I've ever done that. They went to the AFC Championship, and guess what the um, result from the predictive analytics was? AFC Championship. 2020, uh, me and the Titans went in totally different ways. My result was AFC Championship. They obviously got ousted in the AFC wildcard. This year, for the first time, after a thousand simulations, I finally have my first Super Bowl winner. 77% Tennessee Titans with my roster that I formed won the Super Bowl um, 77% of the time, 11% of the time, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 9% of the time, Indianapolis Colts, and then 3% is divvied out into three or four teams, Cardinals, 49ers, Broncos, and I think the Jets squeaked in there in there with less than 1% somewhere. So I went on live to share that information with my followers um, that's been following me, that truly support me. They were, they were ecstatic, I would say. Um, I think that um, that feat just goes to show how much you know of this the sweat equity that i put in which i had it hashtagged on the live because i don't think people understand um how much work i actually put into this like um you know i put in an an insane amount of hours um it's it's really ridiculous when you think about it i mean i'm talking you know i'm thinking about it all day but then the actual brain power i'm talking like you know, evening time until 4 a.m. 
then you you, you go to sleep for a couple hours because you got to get kids up in the morning for school a couple hours then you're you know doing your you, you know what pays the bills from about eight to noon then you divvy back into you know the game plan type of stuff and then by evening time you're back at it and um it's it's over you know a two-week period you know i'm not forming this i'm not forming the game plan like in june you know it's usually over a week or two and i'm just knocking it out and i go through every prospect every free agent that you know that are that, that's out right now that's getting signed i've already went through not only the analytics part but i'm watching interviews trying to get a psyche profile a personality profile i'm going through statistics i'm going through you know everything about these guys I do the same thing with draft prospects. I mean, the sweat equity that I put into this is never before seen. It's next level type of stuff. So a lot of times when, you know, people share whatever they're doing, and everybody has their own hustle. It's not a competition, but I don't always share what, you know, the sweat equity, the grind of what I'm going through because, you know, the narrative at times on social media of what I am, you know, the chauvinist or braggart. If I actually showed what I was doing, you'd even think it even more. When a lot of times what you do say that I'm a braggart over is literally me just genuinely being proud of myself and um, enjoying and having passion. Um, You know, and I think one of the more impressive things that my friend told me about was you know, that I'm more proud of, you know, obviously I, I, I like that I built a Super Bowl winning team, but the team quotient score that he has, he said it was one of the highest since 2011 uh, when he graded the New York Giants. And I thought about that Giants team. I was like, they wasn't statistically a great team. Um, but if you think about it, you know, they beat the Patriots that year, but they were a team that rose to the occasion. And, you know, his team quotient scores are about teams that jail well together all three phases um you know they 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 bond well in high pressure situations and it was one of the highest that he's had since you know that team in 2011 I was like statistically we're better but it was good to see that I didn't just throw a random um assortment of players and personalities together expecting it to win which a lot of people They'll go through their rankings and say, okay, we should sign edge one or cornerback one or wide receiver one, not even thinking about the psyche uh, uh, portion of it, you know, the personality, not even thinking about how does this player's play style mesh with the rest of the pieces that's already there. These are conscient. These are things that I'm very conscientious of, excuse me. Um, when I'm building rosters, I'm very detailed on each puzzle piece and how it fits. I've gotten better over time. And I think it really was, it just really all came together. Another thing he noticed with, with, when he saw some of the numbers of predicted scores on some of these, you know, there's a thousand simulations. He's, he's as obsessive as me. So I'm not sure if he's going through all of them, but for a lot of the numbers that he saw was a lot of the times uh, probably close to a quarter, a quarter, 25% of the time, we were down in games, like the 
the point differentials are so close, but my team was always able to come back and win in tight or close games. And he said that was indicative of the, the way that the team meshed, the balance that the team had. For those that haven't seen the report, um, you know, uh, I, I, I triple dipped in, in, in the draft with, with wide receivers, taking Rashad Bateman in the first round, uh, Dwayne Eskridge in the middle rounds, and then Jonathan Adams Jr. in the late rounds. Also drafted running back Kylan Hill, uh, drafted Edge um, Janaris Robinson, drafted linebacker Buddy Johnson, um, and tight end Trey McKitty, and then defensive tackle Aleem McNeil. And, uh, you know, all these players, when you go through the numbers, had an impact on how things meshed. Um, excuse me. More specifically, Kylan Hill and the playstyle variance that he added to the run game. I don't think people, you know, think about it enough or or put enough emphasis on having a dual back system to where you have a running back where the defense gets so used to his cadence, the way that he runs, the timing, how pivotal it is to have another guy come in that has his own style, that's as good in his own way, um, and throws the defense totally off. People don't recognize how valuable that is. And that's something that he noticed about how defenses, like, the the difference between when Derrick Henry was in the game and when Kylan Hill was in the game was night and day. They did not know how to handle Kylan Hill as a spellback, you know, after Derrick Henry was in the game. Like, his ability to receive out of the backfield. It was just, you know, over time... Defenses adjust, and you saw some of those numbers decrease, but still, it, it was just so impactful. And then I drafted wide receivers that had specific traits that that would help you in different games. Sometimes Bateman had good games. Sometimes Eskridge had great games. Sometimes, you know, Jonathan Adams. Jonathan Adams Jr., for example, drafted him for red zone prowess. Dwayne Eskridge drafted him for speed. Rashad Bateman, I drafted him as a route technician and a zone beater. You know, I, I, I'm very detailed about how I have a purpose for every guy that I brought in. Free agency, Marcus Golden, Danico Autry, who the Titans actually signed. Um, you know, uh, who was the other rusher? Pernell McPhee, um, obviously said, drafted Aline McNeil, also signed Larry Ogunjobi. Um, signed Nicholas Monroe, Carl Joseph, Cameron Sutton. All of these guys obviously add veteran leadership and they're actually leaders, not just signing a veteran and saying, oh, because he's a veteran, he's automatically a leader. That's not how it works. You actually have to go and look at people's personalities. Are they good leaders? Are they good communicators? Um, and, and the, and the mainstay for my, my main focus was to bring back run defense and lengthy, quick penetrating defenders like Danico Autry, which the Titans saw the same thing with that signing that they did today for, for, you know, for, for a timestamp, 
It was the first day of free agency. Titans signed Denico Autry, Bud Dupree, and an offensive lineman, Kendall Lamb, um, as a depth signing there. So, with all that being said, another thing that he noticed in the analytical report was I didn't give up, my team didn't give up that much perimeter run yards, probably one of the lowest in league history. So, teams weren't, were not running the football versus us, especially outside the tackle. Um, up the middle was about average, a little bit higher than average, or about average. Um, but perimeter runs were not a, a thing against us. And that's something that, that that was one of my goals. Not necessarily perimeter, but just stopping the run and helping the pass rush, having lengthy rushers that can qu- quickly penetrate on the interior, push the pocket, and then help our, help our rushers on the outside. And that's how the type of team that I I formed the sack numbers were were slightly above average, nothing too egregious, um, but we just had good run defense and we had made timely plays, um, and that's really it. We were clutch and we made timely plays, and and I think that just goes to the resiliency of the team. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna act like I knew it was gonna happen when I was forming this team. It was it was just what I believed to be true that was championship football. And that's what became out of, you know, that's what came out of it, obviously. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said was um, it was the best team that he's ever ran numbers on. And, you know, given the fact that on paper, you know, the roster doesn't look that intimidating. So when I sent the dissertation or model to him, um, the offseason game plan, whatever you want to call it, call it once again. He was like, "Okay, these are this is a this is a, this is a cool thing." You know, it wasn't even as impressive as maybe 2019 to him, or even 2018 to some degree. Uh, but after running the numbers, this team just meshed extremely well, um, and therefore, it has the ingredients of a Super Bowl champion. So very, very surprising, but also honored and thankful. And I'm thankful for the fans, the uh, the supporters that truly have been on this journey. Because like I said, I've done four. This is the only one that's been a bona fide Super Bowl champion. Other things we talked about on the live was um, some targets that the Tennessee Titans might go after free eight, in free agency, like wide receiver, I mentioned, uh, and excuse me for how I sound, you know, right now, it's, it's that time of the year, you know, house might be a little stuffy, might be doing some spring cleaning, whatever you want to call it, but anyway, uh, wide receiver, Josh Reynolds were, was a player that I mentioned, um, because of his, first of all, team first guy, you look at the personality, you look at the psyche uh, analysis on Josh Reynolds. And uh quiet guy, he's going to do his job. But he also comes from similar system, McVeigh, LaFleur type of system that I think he'd be a shoe in in this offense. Um, people talked about the kicker situation. I like a few kickers in the draft, and I'll share that. Uh, my rankings a little bit later about the specialists that I like, but Blake Hawbill, I'll go ahead and say 
Ohio State kicker. I really like him. Riley Patterson. Um, you know, these are these are good kickers. Jose Borales. Hope I didn't butcher his name too much. But like these there's a good kicking Evan McPherson. There's some good kickers in the draft. You have Dan Bailey, who is a free agent uh for the Vikings. he's been up and down probably the last year or so, but he's usually a solid player. Other players, like they talked about Rashawn Evans in the linebacking core. I mentioned a player like uh, Nicholas Moreau from the Las Vegas Raiders, who is a very underrated player, very good in coverage, has some speed to him. He's somebody that was in the the game plan that really made a difference with that speed at the linebacker position. Also talked about Kyle Van Noy. Uh, I mentioned him being like a very a uh, uh, a tweener type. He's not necessarily an inside linebacker in the mold of how Titans are really using their linebackers now, especially opposite of Rashawn Evans. Like they like a six foot, 225, 235 guy. Vinoy is more heavy. So do you play him on the edge? But is he that good of an edge rusher? Is he that good of a run stopper? So it's kind of like you're paying a guy for his intelligence and his average gameplay. So it's like it's a very tough thing. And I think he'll be asking for a lot of money, too. He might have to, you know, humble his uh, asking price in order to find a job this fall. Um, who else did they mention? Uh, lots of congrats from my guy, Chris. Um, other people. I think that's all we covered. Um, oh, I also mentioned that I was doing my rankings. Um, three, four outside linebacker rankings should be out by the time this podcast is released. Um, I try to keep it like a sentence or two. I'm not like going through deep dives of each prospect because a lot of people don't know that the site is actually for kids. Um, try to make it easily digestible for them um, as well as... Um, interesting enough that a 30 40 50 year old could still find value in it as well um trying to think cornerback i think they mentioned some receivers like samuel uh fuller and galladay and i mentioned how funny it was that you know galladay is even being mentioned because of my 2017 plan in the draft was to take cmc christian mccaffrey Trey White, and then in the third round, take Kenny Galladay. So, therefore, we would have had an elite wide receiver instead of taking one number five overall. Told him that's how you really plan a draft. Um, it is ironic that we're talking about him, but I think the Dolphins really like Kenny Galladay. I think the Giants really like him as well. I really like Fuller. I really liked his ability to, you know, show his durability this year, even though maybe PEDs had something to do with it, but he's a He's a difference maker. And Samuel is a guy that is very, very, you know, useful as a gadget guy. And it is growing as a wide receiver. But I think that the price tag tags on those guys will be high. And I think, like I said, there's a, there's a, I triple dipped in the draft. You have to know where your strengths are. Why would you pay $10 million for, you know, a raw receiver when you can pay like a couple million to one 
in the draft in a very strong wide receiver draft. You have to be able to like know what you have. You know, where where's the strength? Is it in free agency or is it in the draft? Or or should I overpay for veteran leadership? Should I overpay because this guy is really, really better? Um, I feel like there's guys that match skill sets um, in the draft. And I also made a bold claim that Rashad Bateman is as good or better than Corey Davis. So I'm going to stand by that one. And uh, I think that's really all we covered. I think we had a really good conversation. And, you know, you know, I'm doing this via podcast once again because Twitter... Apparently, from time to time, Twitter does not save lives. (laughs) Does not save live broadcasts, which is unfortunate. Um, And I actually did the live when my nose wasn't stopped up. So it probably sounded a lot better. It was a very smooth live. Very smooth live. Pisses me off. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. That is... It going over the championship roster that the 2021 offseason model that Charles Barnes came up with that Super Bowl champions. And uh, we talked a little bit about, a little bit about free agency and uh, it was very exciting. And I will see you guys on the next one. God bless.